success family welcome to the last and the final episode of csm secrets this season conversations with the c suite how do you make it to this to the c suite what does it take learning from the leaders across the board and today it's my absolute honor to have prithvi das gupta the ceo of smart carrot a company that is making huge waves in customer success platform in the in the bay area in the us and across the world i know smart smart carrot because i have observed the product i personally like it a lot and big and that being customer success even adds more interest to me and and you know in having a conversation with a ceo who also happens to be a cs leader as well and 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 i chose and i requested prithvi to be on my show because i like such uh, ceos like you know who are just leading a normal life they are vice presidents they are senior vice presidents in a company and from out of nowhere uh, they become ceos they become founders and they are also able to successfully run a company without a harvard degree or the backing of huge circle right those are the kind of ceos uh, that make me really even more curious uh, because their success defines a lot of odds so on that note uh, prithvi uh, very happy to have you here thank you for being on my show Thank you, Shubha. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, it's a pleasure being here and talking to you. Hopefully, look forward to a good conversation. Yeah. So the first uh, section of my podcast is going to be about you, the office that you hold, and to guide our audience as to how they can also become a CEO someday. The second part of it is going to be a rapid fire session where we are going to find out more about you, because I feel that leaders connect. the viewers connect better to leaders when they know them at a little more of a personal level than just business right that's how it is structured and let's go so Perfect. coming from a, a relatively humble background you are now the ceo of one of the fast growing customer success platforms that is quite popular too all right i mean it is challenging and it is on par with many of few cs platforms that have uh, that have widespread adoption tell us about your journey and how the origins of a smart carrot came about in your mind and how did you take it this far yeah shubha it's a you know long drawn out sort of answer a little bit i'll try and keep it short you know so i, I this is the first time i'm holding this role uh, and you know i'm an entrepreneur so uh, it's sort of self chosen if you will uh, it it came about two three things fell in place you know around four years back uh, i was working as a president of a health tech business unit and i've been in that role for around 10 years uh, we grew that a fair bit and then we were lucky enough to get acquired uh, so that you know put me at a crossroad uh, so i've gone through you know that career of working for a organization growing it and then being part of the executive team which sold it uh, prior to that i was in different roles you know pre sales sales business development marketing product management Uh, so i had this sort of you know 360 spread of sort of exposure i wouldn't say experience but exposure uh, and with this last gig uh, you know we are at crossroads now you have to think what do you do now do you continue here as part of the executive team or do you join somebody else in a similar role that incidentally was a services company but i had always wanted to do something on the product side uh, and i was lucky enough to find a like minded co-founder uh and you know we sort of said we probably complement each other skills and i i had very strong opinions uh as as part of my management exposure around the post sales uh revenue handling 
you know so whether it's account management we used to call it or client management client services now we are calling it customer success uh, so i always had strong opinions around that uh, i never felt that for example a crm is the right tool for my account managers and the value it brings into you know driving account management and managing and growing revenue from existing accounts so strong opinions about that the healthcare tech gave me a lot of exposure to engagement from a patient standpoint patient engagement provider engagement so i saw how tech helped we helped build a lot of that tech incidentally ourselves as projects so a lot of these things came together and you know we that's how smart carrot really uh, initiated and originated and here we are today so you always had that that thing in you you had the entrepreneurial traits you had a good team you had very strong in opinions about you know what now we call as customer success <laughs> you had a good team and on top of all that you had the guts <laughs> 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 right okay so my my so ceo is the ultimate office and i'm telling you especially being in the bay area a lot of professionals aspire to be a ceo um you know when i walk around the berkeley college the university every third person uh, you know thinks he's going to be the next mark zuckerberg right that's the way they talk i'm inventing i'm building new products but but what are we all missing like according to you what is the one toughest thing about a ceo the rest of the world fails to see one or multiple tough things that you know that will that will come to you as part of being a ceo and your your strategies to solve them yeah and there are two two ways to look at this shubha i think now that you ask me and i think about this uh, one is at a personal level and then the other is obviously from the office itself i think at a personal level what people have to be ready for especially if you are an entrepreneurial ceo you know if you get hired by one of the big boys uh, that's a separate gig altogether uh, but if you are an entrepreneurial ceo which is the only thing i can comment on i think it comes firstly you have to be ready to make a lot of sacrifices you know personally a lot of sacrifices uh, on the family time front on your vacation front on you know your materialistic desires front on uh, the financial front at times so i think uh, there's a fair amount of sacrifices all over uh, as, a, as as in your personal sort of family life uh, that's one on the work front i think uh, again the title is glamorous uh, and it is a responsible title uh, because you know you are you are held accountable for really anything and everything bad which is happening and all the good things you sort of should pass on and tend to pass on back to the team uh, so it's a relatively no thanks sort of role and you are it's a lonely role uh, at times uh, so you have to be ready for that grind uh, you also have to be ready to be proven wrong a fair bit so markets are hard running a business is very hard so not all your decisions are likely to be correct you uh, you'll make mistakes uh so it's not easy and it was not easy for me uh, i have had a fairly successful career uh and uh, you know again very opinionated about certain things so it's not easy for me to accept that i was wrong here so that i had to learn very quickly because you can't prolong that wrong decision for a while so you have to realize that quickly come back pivot you know try to figure out the solution alternatively so it, it grounds you a fair bit uh from being an executive so at least it grounded me a fair bit makes you more humble i guess so yeah those are the two things which probably come top of my shuba okay perfect and so 
Um, so Steve Jobs, right? I mean, I've read about quite a bit about Steve Jobs and what I have read is that, of course, a CEO has 10 minimal functions to supervise, you know, be it starting from admin and HR all the way up to the revenue and, the, uh, you know, the finance departments. But I've read that two things that Steve Jobs, coming from the product uh, person that he is, so he never took his eyes off two things, the product, the design, the product itself. The second one is the marketing, the messaging to the market and how the product was positioned. And I've heard that all the ops, the supply chain business, the finance, et cetera, was driven by Tim Cook. And he didn't really get involved there, right? But that's Steve Jobs. So if you were to pick a few functions or if you were to advise to evolving CEOs, these are the functions that you should never take eyes off. You should keep control of and watch it on a very close basis and personally drive and not let it be driven by somebody else. What would that be? Yeah, so I think there is uh, some amount of uh, stuff to be learned from that Steve Jobs example. I think as a product company, uh, product is who you are and what you are selling uh, and what defines you. So that's obviously should be a priority and, and it's, and it extends beyond the formative years, you know, till the time you probably go to a certain size uh, and it's a fairly large size. Uh, I, I don't think you have an option to take your eyes off the product as well as the uh, positioning thereof. So marketing is a broad area, but specifically positioning, I think is something uh, which founders have to be uh, very, very close to. Uh, whether you are a CEO founder or a non-CEO founder, it's still, I, where the founder had there and and uh, along with the CEO hat and then say, you know, you have to be close to that. Uh, I have a slightly different take on, you know, what people should uh, focus on as one or two functions. I think a large part of that depends on your background and where you are coming from and what you consider as your strengths, you know. Uh, for me, uh, and your personal inclinations also, uh, I, I, I get bored if things are on autopilot. And, you know certain stuff so I, I have to I have this urge to uh, learn new things do new stuff you know experiment on uh, you know unique different things across functions right oh. uh, that's the perks of being a founder CEO you get to do at least that uh, and I've always had that urge but you can't do it in all organizations when you are employed uh, I think that works to the advantage of uh, a startup uh, if you know you really pick up something which you're passionate about and you are trying to learn because then uh, you look at it differently and you probably do justice to that. So I think that one or two functions outside of the core product and positioning, you should pick up one at a time uh, and you know keep at it for a few quarters, if not for a year or whatever your duration is, uh, and stay involved in, in depth. Uh, so for me, it has been marketing at times, it has been sales at times, it has been, you know, finance at times, and probably makes you a more rounded, uh, you know, person overall. Okay. Um, so that, that takes me to my next question, kinds of leads me into it, right? Should a CEO be an expert in every office? Otherwise, I mean, let's say you don't have the depth. How can you make good decisions? Or even for that matter, how can you ask the right questions and yeah. lead your team to the right decisions, right? But at the same time, like you said, a CEO brings in some natural skills. For example, somebody who's extremely good in product need not even want to look at the numbers, yeah. right? We want on or ops, 
something that people don't want to do at all so how do you how do you think somebody with a very focused background with one skill can can actually uh, become a ceo and make sure all other functions are doing it right like you said is it important to build depth over time or is it enough that you choose the absolute right team members and just go with gut instinct that they will do it right yeah i think uh, you know like most things it's a balancing act shubha so uh, i i'd say Uh, you probably don't need to get to the depths absolute depths unless you are that passionate and you really want to which is fine but for most functions i think there are two or three things which are very important for any startup ceo to gain the skill of over time because everybody comes with one function and you know that experience you can't be an all rounder right off the cuff uh, so i think it's important to one understand firstly the challenges that function faces or is likely to face okay uh that's one uh and i'll give you a few examples later if required uh the other thing is what are the key metrics in that point of time and in in your journey of the organization what are the key metrics you will use to evaluate and drive that function that understanding is absolutely critical so if it is hr let's say just human resources and you're saying what are the challenges in human resources you can you just can't hire someone and say hey you know run human resources for me run recruiting for me and and we'll get done so you have to understand as a startup what's the challenge in hiring people you don't have a brand how do you hire people who's going to be willing to work for you why what is the value proposition what can you so these are challenges they'll face when they go and you know uh, you don't have you know you know comparable benefits with other organizations how do you cope up with that so there are some significant amount of challenges in human resources you need to know then what are the metrics you you know use to evaluate that function and drive so if you are scaling then probably you are seeing you know what are my recruitment numbers and recruitment pipeline how many are my hiring or if you are trying to stabilize then you are looking at performance optimization and saying are people performing you know how are you doing on overall performance metrics so and it changes in a startup every year you know you need to have different things so at a point in time what are the challenges what are the metrics you are going to drive and i think if you have fluency and actual control over uh, these for most of the functions actually you need it for all the functions uh, then you are in sort of good position you know you'll be in more control okay uh, and just just another question as you spoke you think these metrics or you know will be will be pretty much uh, same maybe the quantum or the number outcome might be different but is it the same for fast growing startups such as yours and large no is it a well established no it will be different uh, it will be different even within the startup system it will be different depending on you know your business where you are what is it that your organization at that point in time actually requires because uh, you know things change fast but but at any point in time you need to know what are the challenges and the challenges also change you know so because when you you said get the right people you will get the right people provided you know what these are because skill sets are different you know across solving for what challenges is this person going to solve for at this point in time you know uh, you if you get someone who's very good at a large organization or is good at you know scale and uh, optimizing that they may not be good at setting up the processes ground up so if your priority for that function 
is to set up ground level processes, then you need to have that sort of person. And what are the challenges there? What would you want he or she will solve for? And how do you evaluate that? You know? No, no, that's that's very valid, right? You, you put it so beautifully well. Like what you're saying is that, especially a startup, right? A fast growing startup is not cast in stone. Yeah. The metrics, the challenges are changing by the year, yeah. right? Every year on year, it's changing. And therefore the job of a CEO will be to calibrate it properly, and you know, find the right people, yeah. identify the right mm -hmm. people, and track and get it done. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, now, um, how do you pick your dream C-suite team? Like, you know, um, do you go by skills? Do you go by people that you know, or do you go, um, uh, you know, do you go by your gut feel? And and across, you know, I believe in organizational cultures, right? If today I come and talk to your C-suite. I can identify one or two common things that runs across, which shows how you have hired, right? So what is that skill? Like, is it teamwork or, uh, I mean, I let you talk about it, right? And, and a general advice for uh, uh, people that are picking their C-suite, how do you pick your dream team? Yeah, I think uh, it'll vary from organization to organization. It really for us, uh, and maybe I'll speak a little bit, on behalf of the startup community itself a little bit. I think what most founder teams and, and C-suite or CEOs will experience is, see, you are picking a team who you have to be comfortable working with and getting work out of. That is the first and primary most important. The person may have impeccable credentials and you know background and work experience and what have you. But if you don't get that connect with yourself, uh, it's not going to work. It will not work for you. It will not work for that individual who you are bringing in. Mm -hmm. So I think that level of comfort and level of comfort is a vague term, but it has to be an independent choice. So you have to have your own ways of figuring out, am I going to be willing to you know, let go of some stuff to this person and be comfortable with it? And, and can I work with this person? Can I trust this individual? You know, uh, and then there, you spoke about the value system. Will this individual, you know, hold the value system true? For us, for example, we like people in the team who, you know, are not shy of getting their hands dirty. We don't like, I'll just do strategy, figure out the execution, you know. So it doesn't work for a startup anyway. So uh, so we we align to people, whether it's, you know, on, on, on people we already know in our circle or people we are meeting for the first time or through a recruiter. Uh, whoever tick marks, you know, those aspects more than what their experience is, more than you know, I take a hit on experience, I'll take a hit on, you know, you don't fit this exactly, but, you know, I'll take a compromise provided you are willing to work with me uh, over an extended period of time and, and build something good. I see. So, uh, so usually, is it true that people in the C-suite usually move in packs? Like, for example, does your team comprise of people that you have known before? It does. It does. That is true. Yes. Uh, I can't deny that. It does. Again, it comes from that level of uh, comfort. Uh, uh, and, and it's not the entire team, but you will you definitely, you because it short circuits the process and it short circuits and de-risks you a lot and gives you that level of, like I said, it's, it's just about, you know, your comfort uh, as a leader saying, you know, can I work with this individual? Yes, I can. I have worked with them in the past. So yeah, that comfort has a huge weightage when it when it comes to a startup uh, C-suite. Okay, okay then what about people that are aspiring to be in the C-suite but don't have connections? Are they at a disadvantage? Uh, 
No, not really. I think I I, I don't think so. I didn't have any uh, connects uh, that way who helped me set set this up. Uh, so I think uh, not for for an entrepreneurial journey. I, I would say it, it's not a hindrance for an entrepreneurial journey. Now, of course, if you are doing a parallel shift, you know, president to president role shift or CEO to CEO role shift, C suite to C suite role shift, uh, then it's always helpful to have you know uh, more connects in your community for sure. Okay. So now let me um, um, ask one another very tough thing to do from the position of a CEO, right? So you're always answering to parties that are sitting outside the office, the board, the investors, and the market, right? And I've heard that the CEO is subject to a lot of pull by these external forces outside of all the internal pulls that is happening. So how does Prithvi as a person make decisions? Is it is it does it give in to this pull or does it give in to the customer needs? Or do you do you go by what your team says? And and if let us say that this is an 180 degree opposite to what your board wants, how do you handle that resistance? So I think uh, you know I'm a big believer in this concept of you know taking a balanced decision and a balanced approach. Okay. Uh, those pulls are there. For sure, uh, always be there. Uh, there are different dynamics. I think it is Prithvi's role in the capacity of the CEO. This is to your earlier question also, what you should expect. So managing all of these stakeholders is a significant part of the CEO role, which you don't realize till you get to it. You think it is sales, it is product, it is this. a large part. If at times it is 50% of your workload is managing all of these stakeholders also. In the interest of being able to take the company towards the right direction, you know, uh, and, and not let it deter here and there. So at times you do a pickup fight with the board, you do, you know, push back. At times you do agree, it's a give and take. But that skill of being able to navigate through that is an expectation out of the CEO role. So you, you have to live that and do that. Uh, you know, day in, day out till the time you're in that role. So conflict management, right? It is. It is. Right. it is. It's not really conflict. I think, you know, there are different opinions and people come at it from different viewpoints. You know, the board comes at it. They're sitting outside. They want, they're, they're looking at it from a different view. It's not to say their view is incorrect. If you were sitting in their shoes, maybe you would do this and ask yeah. the same. But it is one view from, you know, one one angle. And then there are, you have to think of the view of, of your employees, of your team, of what the market is demanding, what the customer is actually saying. Now you pick up what is relevant out of all of these and then make an informed decision. Yeah. And somebody will be unhappy uh, at times and so somebody will be happy with that. So that, that's the balancing act. You know, How do you work, work with both teams, external, internal? Okay. Now let me turn your focus into, into customer success because your product is about customer success. So before we go into what smart carrot itself does, I have this observation over the industry. Please keep me honest here because I'm in customer success. The successful customer success leaders that I have seen, go back to the point that you earlier mentioned about your team. Hands-on, knowledgeable, expertise in what they do mm -hmm. and not just do program management functions. Yeah. Believe that all of that can be replaced by AI or tools such as yourselves, 
like you know digital csms whatever so do you agree with that point of view that i mean in the future cs is going to get more narrowed down into specialization knowledge and more hands on rather than um, you know just being a relationship manager retention specialist what's your view yeah you know shubha so I, i i still feel this is evolving overall still the community itself is evolving so we are probably at phase 1 right now and the next two years two three years five years maybe we'll see more phases it is the space is picking up my my belief and opinion is cs will not survive as a function in an organization unless it actually uh, drives post sales revenue so without that it's not going to survive so then you you are relegated to a support function whether ai picks up or not still doesn't matter i mean it's, it's, it's nothing yeah uh, there's just no point doing onboarding or relationship management alone okay so you have to do it for a purpose and the purpose has to be i'll help manage post sales revenue for the organization that is the north star for the community my opinion now for that i think ai has a lot of benefits and i have always been a proponent smart carrot is a proponent of using ai to help people do that job well so if you are talking about expanding revenue can ai help you find more opportunities you cannot find at scale because you are managing so many accounts absolutely can so use ai for that you know uh, don't say ai is to be used for writing emails i will say you know how to say better hello to my customer that is you know that's the first you know that skits play really honestly uh so i think ai and the direction it takes will be in these key outcomes of how is it going to help either save time for the cs practitioners uh, or help them become successful it's not going to replace them in any case because you know like sales even post sales revenue management cannot be done without a human intervention at all uh, it relationships are important will always be but can it be better and can it be augmented by ai absolutely so we have always said you know we are for augmented intelligence for ai for me is really augmented intelligence more than artificial nice okay but but just one question right i mean the traditional sales is still not ready to let go of the post sales right so so do you think they will see the value of a different team doing post yeah. sales yeah so it's not left to sales they want so this is a change which will eventually have to come from the top so who does sales report to if sales is reporting to the cro and cs is reporting to say operations head uh, it's never going to work out or you or you'll have to figure out a way to work out in your silos because the silo will remain that that push and pull of that dynamic will always be there now if both are reporting into the same individual you know, or the same designation whether it's the cr or the ceo doesn't matter uh, then you have a chance you know correct so now your best scenario is if the top down the c suite believe that you know this is these are two specialized roles which they are and getting and closing a deal uh, whilst doing a demo and following up is a separate skill than managing a customer once they come in and then creating that relationship with them showing them value and growing that business if there are two distinct skills then there has to be two distinct structures and functions yeah. uh, owning owning up mm-hmm. to them yeah okay 
Uh, tell us about smart carriage. Like, how does it enable CS? What is the platform about? And and what is it? And what's your vision for smart carriage? So I think, see, we have, uh, so you have the bells and whistles are pretty similar for most of the CS tools because that's the way it has evolved. So you do need to be able to handle accounts, get a aggregated data of accounts and stuff like that. I think I'll just focus on where we are different a little bit. Uh, we are being driven by this belief and vision that the future of CS lies in managing post-sales revenue. Now you can call it different name, you can call it CS, you can call it account management, you can call it post-sales, you can call it whatever it is. But we are saying the future lies there. So our platform is oriented for primarily for that, right? So we are saying our dashboards, our ability is, and, and our future, past, present, and future right now is focused around how do you manage post-sales customer revenue? So you have to own it. If you don't own revenue or you really don't want expansion revenue, we may not be the right fitment for you. There's a lot of stuff you'll not be able to use. So that's one. So now how are even standard bells and whistles work and appear is slightly different because it's now aligned to you know, this particular outcome more than anything else. That's one. Uh, second, we have actually uh, sort of over the last year and a half uh, uh, spent a lot of time in creating standalone sort of add-on modules, right? So we have something called a smart ops right now, uh, which again, to that point of how do we help the practitioner? Because there is so much of data. It's good to aggregate. You can aggregate as much as you want, but who's looking at that data? Who's making sense of it, right? Nobody is. Nobody is. People don't have time. Even if they have time, this is not what they're interested in doing. Going, searching a CS tool for what correlations are there. So what smart ops does is using AI actually does that on your behalf. And if it finds anything interesting or valid from these standard outcomes standpoint, it will bubble it up to you saying, hey, this is of is this of interest to you? Our algorithm found this. So that's an add-on bolt-on module on top of the standard CS, right? So that's smart ops. Uh, we also launched last uh, quarter uh, a, a component called smart conversations, which is really the gong equivalent in the CS space. You know, so with CS specific keywords, with with the ability to actually track a call, gauge the call sentiment, and you know, over time get better. Uh, connected to a playbook, if you will, if you know it's a really, really bad call, somebody needs to know about it. Yeah. Today, how do you know? You know, how does the organization know that one of my CS practitioners has had a really bad call, unless the person themselves you know, bubbles it up? And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, you know, they miss it. So, uh, so that's smart conversation. So, we will continue to look at ways where we feel we can add value towards making the practitioner more efficient and successful. Right. So in this goal of, and then we will keep focusing on what does it take? See, managing and growing uh, post-sales revenue needs you to do a lot of stuff. It is easier said than done. So you need to identify stuff. You need to obviously do it. And see, uh, renewals becomes a subset then, because you're saying if you, if I'm growing an account, uh, I shouldn't be worried about renewal at all. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's the other way around. If your account is not growing for the past four or five quarters or two years, then eventually it will go away. Yeah. Yeah. And but, there are statistics around that too. So just logically, it makes sense to and grow the account. Then that's the angle we are taking. So I think those are two, three things which keep us you know, very different and grounded. We have had a lot of success with 
our playbooks feature. So uh, one thing we did this quarter actually is uh, unbundled it and now we are making it available as sort of uh, a low investment entry point. You could just use the playbooks and not use all the other bells and whistles because it does solve for uh, a lot of the standard operations problems uh, which organizations face and it need not be restricted only to the CS team. Whilst the CS team is the primary user, but then you have you know other people who you need to participate to manage and grow the account anyway. So uh, those are some things I think you know uh, hopefully will uh, continue differentiating us. And and you continue to focus <laughs> on AI automation. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there, there is no running away from it. I mean, I, there is no choice. You know, so you have to use it. So we use we extensive usage of AI, actually. We use OpenAI also. We have our own algorithms as well. Oh. So like smart conversation, we capture the conversation. We use OpenAI components to actually generate the call transcript, the meeting notes, et cetera, et cetera, all of these. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So that's always already there. Uh, we use our proprietary algorithm to actually do a risk profiling of accounts. Uh, so you may have designed your own health score and you know you may have red, green, amber, the standard stuff. Uh, but we don't know what you have designed. So but, but we do have access to and what weightages you have put to what parameters. So this algorithm over you know time looks at all your data points, correlates a few, looks at industry standard data points we have in our platform, uh, and then compares and pings you and saying, hey, we feel this account is not doing that well. So it's again a proactive sort of uh, approach. So we are looking at you know very specific use cases for AI uh, across all of this you know entire big CS spectrum. Got it. Okay. So what are some really poor decisions you think you made as CEO and still still managed? Like you know maybe you don't want to get into specifics, but but how do you handle a bad decision? Yeah, I think a lot of bad decisions, Shubha. So, you know, in this uh, very short period also, there's been a fair number of uh, bad decisions. But I said uh, earlier as well, I think the skill is really to accept and figure out very quickly or as soon as possible that you have made a wrong choice. That's the, so self-acknowledgement is the biggest hurdle to, you know, bad decision. You're fine making bad decisions as long as you are, you know, willing to acknowledge it. And once you acknowledge, you'll figure out a way, you know, people are smart, you know, I'm more than average IQ. So I'll obviously figure out a way to solve for it or to attempt something new, but not unless I acknowledge that, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> so I think that's the biggest thing to address. So yeah, fair number of across, you know, all functions, I mean, wrong hiring decisions, wrong market beds, wrong positioning, yeah, a whole lot wrong pricing decisions. Yeah. But then and yet you have survived, and, and right? That's the whole point. So I'll tell you the truth. I think everybody does it. Uh, I'm I'm sort of admitting it. But <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think people get it right the first time on most things anyway. Okay. Just you just stay and you know continue. Right? Yeah, you just stay and continue. Put your head down and you know keep digging. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so what do you think has been your greatest impact as a CEO? Uh, not yet. I, I don't think uh, you know that's yet to happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know, Shubha, because I think you know getting it to where we are right now. Uh, I don't want to accept an impact because then you are satisfied. I think uh, yeah, you know we'll we'll wait for that to happen in the next few years. Okay. Okay. What are your greatest learnings as a CEO? Forget everything you have learned 
in your previous stints, right? As a CEO, what is that awakening thing that you have learned? Um, I mean, it could be about anything. It could be about life. It could be about business, whatever, right? But something you cherish as a life-changing learning, if there is anything. Yeah, there is one or two, and I'll just give you top of mind. There may be more. Uh, uh, I think, you know, I've always sort of looked down on people when in the past they used to say, you know, I'm stressed. And, uh, you know, I can't take it anymore. I say, this is not sounding right to me. I mean, why can you, how can you be stressed about, you know, what is there to be stressed about and stuff like that. I think the life changing or learning really is by, and this only happened once I got into this role and this entire set of accountability now you're, and then you said, okay, now I have to handle this also, that also. Uh, you are stressed, you know, so then you figure out how do you address that and how do you handle that for your own well-being and for the well-being of the organization. Because if you're down and it reflects uh, in your face and in your movement and in your demeanor, then it impacts, you know, the rest of the organization also. So even if you are down, you can't show you are down. So that leads to a little bit more stress and you will have ups and downs for sure. I think that's been life-changing that you know, you, you have to be willing to okay. address that head on. Yeah. Okay. That's beautiful. So, so what, what is your view on customer experience, right? You just said, you, you set very clear expectations. CS is responsible for driving post-sales revenue. Who drives customer experience? Is it a one man's job or is it the entire organization coming together to deliver experience and it should not be a CS job? What's your view on that? Yeah, I think it is, of course, the entire organization. It is everyone, each and everyone in the organization who's be responsible. At a bare minimum, anybody who's coming in touch with the customer in whichever shape and form uh, is responsible for the experience. Uh, so if it is sales upfront, if it is your website upfront, it is, it, it is your finance sending them invoices, it is your you know, marketing guy reaching out for an event, uh, it is your product people who are talking to customers. It's your business analyst trying to figure out a requirement. Anybody and everybody who touches the customer directly at a bare minimum. But, you know, I think, so I, I don't see too much value in, in a function around experience unless, you know, they are helping orchestrate this across the entire organization. It cannot be a one function job for sure. It cannot be was my point of view as well, because I mean, the product can only think from a product point of view, yeah. usability, et cetera, right? A sales comes more from a relationship. Yeah. So they bring different skills together and it's an end-to-end -end spectrum. Yeah, right. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it starts off even with the larger organizations, Truba. The intent is to actually do it across. Yeah. And then they have this function who they hold responsible and you know the chief experience officer, if you will, uh, to actually enable that. But then the empowerment is not there. So if you ask me, this can happen across the organization if the CEO picks up that mandate right. himself or herself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I think I'm done with all the serious questions. Now I'm <laughs> going to poke a little bit on your personal side. Um, I think I consumed a lot of time. So let's make, I'll make it very quick. So you're off to the moon and you're likely never coming back. What is that one thing that you cannot, you can't be without that you will take with you? Can't be without. Uh, to, uh, on the moon, and I'm never coming back, I'll take my favorite pillow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
what's your north star like you know at any point of time that's what guides you what is that i don't have one oh you don't have no. okay so you're in you're not in a room and people that have worked with you for many years people from your business circle are talking about you what do you think they are likely to tell about you positively right positively i think yeah i think mostly uh, it's been consistent and we have done those you know workshops earlier shubha with uh, as part of that executive team i think most people will say is a hard taskmaster but he's fair on people great so what did young prithvi in his early 20s wanted to be and is this prithvi living that life no uh, prithvi early prithvi in 20s was just surviving trying to figure out you know how to just do his job at that point in time and how to navigate that organization he had gotten into so this is far far away from uh, you know early 20s thoughts yeah absolutely okay <laughs> so yeah. a bunch of college grads all with the same grades gpa are coming and approaching you for a job in your dream team who's likely to get selected purely based on soft skills uh, the one who's willing to unlearn and then relearn stuff learning learning and yeah, learning absolutely yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah okay so are there any mentors or fellow officers that, that totally inspire you it could be people from anywhere in the past people that are not even alive but if there is somebody that that is a constant inspiration who's that uh, there is no constant inspiration i can't single out an individual but yeah of course i have learned uh, you know a lot from whoever i have worked with uh, and it's just not you know uh, up in the hierarchy it is across horizontally it is in the team and so on and so forth so i think that is constant and there are a lot of people like that you know my team members who i hired i learned a fair amount of them in certain areas people i worked under i learned a lot uh, people in my team the executive management teams i have been part of i have learned a fair few but nothing no one in particular i am been a little bit of a rebellious person and opinionated person myself so there's no one individual i'll say oh i believe you blindly no there's no one like that so if you were to do this all over again will you do this or what will you not do no no i'll absolutely do it i'll do it with all the learnings and not make the same mistakes i have made at least first time round i think uh, what i do is uh, you know do a much simpler product upfront uh, you know maybe go one aspect of cs like we eventually picked up expansion and revenue management as our you know sort of fixated thing now but we were all over the place first couple of years so oh, we have to do this also we have to do survey also we have to do uh, everybody has you are now under pressure from this i think that's something which i've learned the hard way it's not required i mean 80% of the features anyway don't get used so get to one the 20% yeah. which actually cause value beautiful uh, i've heard this again and again and again from so many product leaders as spot on so your favorite quote do you have a favorite quote that you often are referred oh prithvi will always uh, refer to this quote is there anything yeah like no not really i think but most people will say yeah, get it done <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so all right i mean i think i have run out of questions and i took i think i took the right amount of time yeah perfect so any 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 final thoughts parting comments about smart carrot whatever you want to share with our viewers 
No, I think uh, whoever sees this, if you are in the CS community, at a bare minimum, you know, uh, look at us. I think you should uh, at least see what Smart Carrot is about. I mentioned a few components. There are more to it. Uh, come talk to us. See, we will not try and sell you aggressively. Come, come, come as a community friend and just have a look at us. Give us feedback, good, bad, ugly. Uh, those are all very helpful for us, and it helps spread the word around for us anyway. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me, to my team, to to you know on our website, and we are very happy to interact with you. Shubha, thank you so much for giving me time. I think uh, you know some of these questions make me think. Also, you don't get time to ponder on these questions a lot. Uh, so you gave me that opportunity. It's giving me some thoughts as well. So thanks for that, and I wish you all the best. And uh, you know, stay in touch. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Prithvi. It's an honor to have had you on this last episode. Such a fitting episode to this beautiful season. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure was all mine. Bye now. Bye.